Welcome to Supercharge, the Change and Comms podcast. Pete and I are both business change communication specialists and we just love talking about what we do. And this week we are particularly pleased to be able to welcome a very special guest, John Beer. John is a freelance football summariser at the BBC, a former trustee at Exeter City FC and a co-host of the hugely entertaining podcast, My New Football Club. So this week, we are looking at change for a slightly different lens. It's been a turbulent week for some football clubs, and that includes Exeter City FC. Their manager, Matt Taylor, and his assistant, Wayne Carlisle, have left the manager of them, and they in turn saw their manager leave, which created this vacancy. Elsewhere this week, Chris Wilder left Middlesbrough, and you could be quite certain that before Christmas, the managerial merry-go-round will continue. So it's a very warm welcome to John Beer, who will talk to us today about change management in a football club during this really unsettling time for players and staff. Hey, John, kick us off with a summary about your podcast and your former role at Exeter City. So the podcast is uh, more informal and sort of, I think, borderline comedy, you could call it, podcast about sort of Exeter City and about how David is David Earl has found his uh, sort of new calling in life, if you like, which is supporting Exeter City and sort of became disenfranchised with, you know, Premier League football and how it's not really catering to, to fans you don't feel welcome and it's you just sort of another number on the gate whereas you know at lower league football clubs like Exeter City or elsewhere you just sort of feel part of it you know you feel like you're involved everyone around you cares speaks to you you know I think that's what the pod is about in terms of my uh, role as a trustee I was just sort of I was the youngest ever trustee at Exeter City I stood for election when I was 16 years old and that was sort of really and with the ideology for the club to sort of succession plan to have a, a set of people coming through learning from a young age how the club operates how it runs so that in the future when those people aren't there anymore that there is uh, there's people to step into those roles um and and the bbc sort of freelance stuff is is sort of just a passion of mine and a hobby that i, I really enjoy and, and love doing that your summary there about Exeter kind of leads to my my first question, really, which I'm interested, especially for a club like Exeter, where you've, you've got people at all sorts of different levels, from fans all the way up to the trustees and the board who are really engaged and, and want the club to succeed. But but when, when you go through a change um, like is happening at the moment with Matt Taylor leaving, um, it affects people at all the different levels. So I wonder if you could just tell us a bit from your experience, how how... How do you see a club going through or preparing for that change in a manager um, from different perspectives? Yeah, I think I think it's a really interesting question. I think from a from a trustee and, and sort of director standpoint, it's you're always thinking about it, especially when you've got a successful manager, or you're always thinking, especially at a club like Exeter City, which is you know renowned for not only selling players but improving improving managers as well. You know, even you saw with Paul Tisdale, he was there for you know over a decade, but still improved as a manager came from sort of team bath and made his way up the leagues and was an incredible asset to Exeter City so even though he, he was there for a while sort of you know your directors your, your Julian tags those kind of people they always have in the back of their mind right he could go at any moment especially with the success he was having at the start then he had a rocky patch in the middle then really successful again at the end they're always thinking I think I, I remember speaking to to Julian a few years ago and he would say things like you know we always had an idea of who we wanted in place if Tiz was to go and these people were brought in as a result of that. So there's always, I think the key word is succession planning. At a club like Exeter City, you have to be one step ahead of the game because it's so important. I think from a fan's perspective, it's it's actually probably not something they've experienced too many times. You know, from in my lifetime, there's only been, you know, three managers, which is, you know, the 20 years, I think it's quite impressive is as from a business standpoint, as 
that want to give these managers the opportunity to succeed and thrive. And I think it's, you know, from the very beginning, the ideology has been to, right, let's get a young manager, an up-and-coming manager, someone who can maybe have a more advanced way of playing, if you like, new, exciting, uh, rather than sort of getting, and I, I use his name a lot, so I apologise, but sort of like a Neil Warnock type manager who's been there, done that, you know what you're going to get with him, but you'll get your stability. So I think it's always about manageable risk in that regard of getting a young manager who can sort of be new and exciting. Have you, do you see um, among fans as well a kind of, um, is there usually a period where people need convincing or winning over by a new manager? Yeah, it, that's it's a really interesting point because that's completely subjective, isn't it? When a manager's won you over is completely different for me as it is for a director, as it is for a trustee, as it is for a fan. Um, and, and that's sort of the beauty of sport, isn't it? And, and football in general that, you know, every fan has an opinion. And at the end of the day, you know, your directors are just the same. You know, they, they, they're they specialists in their areas, but they at the end of the day, they only have an opinion. Their, their opinion might have a bigger say in who's there and who isn't. But... That, that has to be it's, it's such an interesting thing because for me I would, I'd happily give the opportunity to, to any young you know sort of like coach coming through the levels in the academy because I think that's the way it should be I think if you if you're proving yourself it should be internally promoted well unfortunately recently with City we've sold Dan Green to well not sold but Dan Green has left to go to Aston Villa and we've actually gotten rid of quite a few really good academy coaches to sort of not hinder their progress and let them continue with their careers, which obviously in turn now would have been ideal. Dan Green, I think, would have been a, a really good coach and manager. But yeah, it's, it is an interesting one. It's the period of time to, to win over, for, for a manager to win you over is completely different for everyone and different levels of the club. So, I mean, obviously, the most important group of people for a new manager to kind of get on board quickly are the players. I think. Um, yeah. As well as the board, I guess. But, um, yeah, I think I think you say that, but I think because it's such a part and parcel of football, the players just sort of accept that, look, this is the manager now, this is the here and now, and at any given moment, this could change. I think Exeter City, you've got the luxury of knowing, well, he's got to really do very poorly to, to get sacked or to lose his job. But I think as a player, it's not about winning them over. I think for them, it's just like, this is the manager, this is who it is, I can't change that, I'll give my all and, and, and that's it. But yeah, of course, you, you want to play under a manager that inspires you, lifts you, but that comes, you know, with, with time. How do players go through that then? Because there, there must be, um, you know, when a, when a manager leaves or when there's, there's kind of that turbulence in a club, a, a, for the players, they, they must want to know what's going on or, you know, when, when do you, how do they get told or, or what kind of support gets put in place for them to keep their mind on the game I think especially during the the season right you, you want to keep yeah. them focused yeah I think that the main thing is about acting swiftly and, and making sure that your, your communication to from the top to the players so it's, you know uh Julian Tag is sort of the director was the director of football and he would be in charge of sort of relaying that information to the players Julian has a really good relationship with the players and everyone is aware of who he is and he's the person that you would sort of go to to find out that kind of information. Julian, until very recently, had it, his office was at the training ground, so he was with the players every single day of the week, which I think is really important. It puts that face to the sort of hierarchy of the club. The players can sort of, you know, go, that's the person that they would go to. But it's about acting swiftly, making sure that no one is kept out of the loop for too long. Players just want comfort, don't they? They know, they know football, right? Manager's probably going to go at some point, especially if you're doing really well. 
um, after coming up from, from the league below. So they probably had in the back of their heads, well, he could go. He's, he's already had a couple of job offers before. Um, it was just a, a case of waiting for the right one. So it's a case of Taggy sort of going, right, OK, let's keep the players. This is what's going to happen. Probably telling them a day before he's even agreed the contract to go. This could happen. He's up there. He's negotiating this, that, the other. Just puts everyone at ease. They can turn up to training. And then putting in a team like Kevin Nicholson and John Hill, who are the interim managers at the moment, quickly so that the training isn't disrupted and they just continue about. Because football is, footballers are so set on routine. They need their routine. They need to turn up every single day, same time, go home, same time. And that's because that's, you know, their, their life is regimented minute by minute by people at the club. That's really interesting, isn't it? Because I don't, you just don't think like that as a, as a supporter. You just, you just, I don't know. I never would think that it was that regimented. That they have it to is, have that it is regi- and when I say minute by minute, it really is minute by minute. The coach will be leaving for an away game at, I don't know, 7.02. So you've got to be there at 7.01. Anything after 7.02 is, is fine. Start coming into play. It's literally wow. minute by minute, which is why, you know, when they get held, held up on the motorway and things like that, they so often the teams will, the, the players will hop on the coach on a Friday morning for a Saturday game, hop up, drive halfway up to wherever the away game is, um, train midway up on the motorway somewhere, stop off at a training ground. They would have pre-agreed that with another team. And then they'll hop back on the coach, stay overnight in a hotel right by the ground and then wake up you know, in the morning, have their breakfast, take it easy, chill out. And that's that comfortability that the players really need. Sort of, you don't want to be traveling up on the day, getting up, you know, silly o'clock in the morning if you if you're living in Exeter to get to Hartlepool and places like that. So it's it's about so that continuity is really important, then, isn't it? So yeah. so, so, so like Julian or the director of football giving them that advance notice before it even gets anywhere further. No different in a corporate world from your senior execs yeah. delivering something yeah. that's you know key and important. And then beneath that, then. In, in a corporate world, your line managers would then take over that communication with their direct reports. And in this case, that's the interim managers fulfilling an actual duty of making sure that everything's as it should be at the right time, at the right place. Training continues. And actually, sign of strength. We're going to go against Southampton's uh, uh, youth, or was it under 21s? Was it on? Go out there. We're going to put out a strong team just so you can see that life goes on as normal continuity exists. And away we go. Yeah, exactly. That's, that is exactly it. It's about not trying to disrupt because obviously it's going to be disrupted the routine is just not having the manager there every morning saying morning gaffer this that the other obviously you'll have players that will pop into the office your senior players mj those kind of players will uh will pop into the office probably say hello have a meeting uh so it's about sort of trying to keep the disruption at, to, to a minimum as, as minimum as possible so who i mean i suspect i know the answer i think i think i know what you're going to say but who who kind of takes on that role as as the change manager you know when you're in that period between um when you've got one manager that's left and you're in that kind of no man's world really um before the new manager comes in who's the like go to you know if i'm a i'm a player and i'm unhappy or uh, anybody else in the club really and i want i kind of want to know what's going on who's the one that's controlling that narrative about about what what's going to happen and when am I going to find out all this kind of things that you get? Well, up up until now, for many years, it's, it's been Julian Tag. He's been the point of contact for for players, um, and and is he recently was appointed sort of uh, co chairman of League One for the Football League, or was like sort of had a really good role at the EFL, and that just comes with reputation. He's such a great character to have around the club, really experienced. Has uh, done really well for himself in the business world. Understands not only the corporate world but also the the, the footballing world because the business world of football is really really different 
although the, the basics are still the same, it's the other things you've got to manage, your players, your egos, this, that, the other. I like to think that at Exeter City, we don't have too many of those. I think we've got a lot, we recruit, especially on the map, recruited sort of, first and foremost, really good individuals, really good human beings. Um, but yeah, I think Julian is the one sort of leading that, making sure that everything is in place and everything is seamless. And also, like I said, being that point of contact for the players. What about not the players, though? Because the club's obviously got other staff there from the shop, the ticket booth, through to yeah. uh, maintenance ground staff. I mean, the, 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 the list is quite endless for a club to run, isn't it? We don't think of it in that way, but there's an awful lot of people yeah. dependent on their livelihoods for the club. Does, does Julian fulfil that role in comms as well to those people? So probably not so much with the background. I'm, I'm sure Julian would obviously be there if anyone had any queries, uh, you know, staff related wise, sort of like your, your media team your PR team your club shop team like you mentioned those backroom staff that sort of go and I notice sometimes at football clubs you just sort of take for granted sometimes um, as a fan but there's there's loads of loads of other directors a lot of the, the trustees are the ones that help deal with those sort of not less senior but you know you like your PR managers your media team those can turn to people like Clive Harrison who's a trustee and a club appointed director um, you've got Elaine Davis uh, Nick Hawker there's so many people that they can turn to and, and, and really good people as well. People that really care, volunteer, put many, many hours of their own time in free of charge. And that that's where Exeter City really thrives is that volunteer drive and how much people want to help through just the kindness of their own hearts, if you like. And I think a couple of years ago, a, a stat came out that sort of we save £250,000 every year on, on volunteer fees alone, which is, wow. which is really, really impressive. And I suppose, Pete, the, the parallel there to the business world, again, is that that's almost your coalition of sponsors, isn't it? That's where, you know, you, you have your primary exec sponsor, which would be your director of football in this instance. But actually, you're then depending on this other senior group of people, at least in terms of a, a hierarchical tree, your, uh, your, your, your you know, non-execs or what have you, in this case, trustees. And they become a coalition who come together and take on a, a separate set of responsibilities specific to you know help maintain that consistency so and the parallels here are really quite interesting that like i would never have made them perhaps without having this this conversation i think we're probably lifting the lid for quite a few people here john so it's been great yeah i think the important thing to, to remember is that at a football club it and maybe in in the, i say regular business world but the corporate world as well is sort of everyone is sort of in, in the business you're one big family anyone can turn to anybody and like the, the one thing the trust really tries to emphasize a lot is that you know, although they oversee you know the running of the club, um, you can go turn to them at any point. The trustees are all really, really make themselves visible, pop into the office, say hello to people, and sort of try and keep that relationship at a really good level, so that the conversation then isn't sort of like a oh I've got to go speak to my boss. It's like oh, okay, I can come and talk to Clive or Nick or anyone, and I can sort of have that conversation in comfort. Have you seen examples then? We don't have to name people or clubs, but uh, and I'm, I think I can probably guess a few in the Premier League, but I'm interested like times when things haven't gone so well for clubs or if you've seen, obviously, everything at Exeter is going well. So, <laughs> so we don't need to, to use them. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, when you do have a new manager or, or other times as well, I, I think there's all sorts of different situations where, where things can start coming apart a bit. Um, do you think what 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 do you think are the causes of that? Or in your experience, what what have you seen elsewhere that you've thought, oh, it's not gone so well? Um, I think a, a lot of the reason why when a new manager comes in and and it starts to fall apart quickly is because the decision's been made 
too candidly. It's been a rush. It's been, a, oh, we've got to get somebody in. And often that's not the right fit. I think the beauty of the trust and then the club board below that is that they're working in unison and they understand. It's, I think it's all about ethos. I think what your club's ethos is and who you appoint as a manager is they, they go hand in hand. You know, you can't have a... Exeter City can't have a manager that doesn't believe in youth products in academy players because that's the life, that's the life and blood of the club. That's where the, that's the only reason probably we're still here is that, you know, selling those really good academy players. So I think a lot of the time where the sort of breakdown occurs is when the manager doesn't, ideology doesn't align with necessarily the, the club board or the trust board in, in, this, in this regard. And I think I'd like to think that's something that won't ever happen at Exeter City because there's two really strong teams working on an ethos and a joint sort of goal, if you like. But I think I think for me, from what I've seen, I think I remember a couple of years ago, and I, I won't name the team, but I went into the boardroom up there, and it was and and it was really really clear to see that they had realised this managerial appointment was not the right one, and it wasn't a short contract. I think it might have been a three to five year deal. So you've then got to pay this person, if you don't want him, his five-year contract straight up or stick with him and sort of accept the fact well, we might go down here. And obviously, you know, that, that's a bit as well. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. That, what you have got a way up. That's a horrible decision to make. Do you have to pay someone out, which you can't probably financially afford, or do you get relegated, which you also can't financially afford? You know, it's these, these two parallels. So it's about not Russia. And I think that appointment of the manager had been made within three days. So three days is nowhere near enough time to assess your options, weigh up what managers they are about. And so, so what did it's, they it's do? Just... Yeah, sorry. What, what did they do? Um, I, I, in the end, I actually didn't keep track of it, but I remember being in, in, in the boardroom. I think that the team might have got relegated from the division. So I think they might have stayed with the manager. And then when they went down, I think they might might have got rid of him, but I, I didn't really follow the follow it too closely. But I remember being in the room and realizing I, I've been fortunate enough at, at my age. I think well, I'm, I'm 20 years old. I think I've been to the boardroom in in most League Two clubs, and I've been I've experienced a lot of you know really interesting conversations. But the one thing we you know when we're at Exeter City, we're fortunate enough to have is. Uh, like the trust and when we go to these boardrooms we sort of realize wow we're lucky to have the ownership format we do and the fans are lucky to have the ownership format that they that they have in in the club because there's some people and there's some clubs that are really really poorly run and, and the owners show a real clear lack of knowledge of what it takes to run a football club because I, I think back into making that appointment i suppose in some ways the appointment of the manager is almost your project it's your investment there and you're looking for a return on that investment and whether that's stability or whether that's promotion what you don't want though is to not return on your benefits and therefore end up either having to sack them or end up relegated because you actually end up with a knock-on effect don't you you're actually you're actually going to kind of a negative equity of benefit if you get mm -hmm. relegated because the likelihood is you're going to have to make cuts across the club somewhere. It's a tough choice between whether that's backroom staff, whether that's pitch quality, cut back on academy transfers, wages of players. So it, it kind of feeds into that kind of last question that perhaps we've got at least that we've written down for you. Um, in, in that 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 investment, that, that project, the new manager is going to come at, at an element of risk and sometimes they'll bring their backroom team with them as well so there was there was some serious cost to this and we're going to have to do that because obviously Wayne's left as well to go with yeah with, with Matt up to Rotherham so a new manager comes in culturally 
you're looking for a fit in that process and like you said for us it's about wanting the desire to drive academy players through but they'll have their own other ways of working as well you can see it from premier league managers who come in and they start you know, putting these weird and wacky fine posters up or you know taking ketchup out of restaurants and you know all this weird stuff that they love to do so what 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 happens for extra city then in this space because like i said we haven't done it often we've not had this i mean i've, I've been down the west country for uh, about 20 odd years i think uh, no, a bit longer than that maybe now but um so what's done to help the, the players adjust to these cultural changes? What can what what does the club put in place? Do you think, or or, or what have they 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 provisioned for from the time you were there? Yeah, it's it's a really interesting one because f- from the time I was there, we obviously we never had a manager leave. I was there, and, and Matt was manager from sort of certainly when I was involved more so. Matt Matt was manager, and I thought I think when when. When I was first on the trust board, he'd just been appointed or, or maybe it was a year after that I was on. But there was no sort of plan for him to leave because he was a new manager. So there was very little interest from anybody else we appointed internally, um, which was a, a, another thing that we were sort of really set on at the time. But I think just like sort of any other football club, the, the, the measures that are put in place is a really good team above above them, so your directors and, and your trustees, having a really strong team that are working together towards a common goal is really the only comfort you can offer players because as much as you can offer support and, and players, there's definitely people to turn to at the club. It's ever-changing. It's always changing. Every day the club is changing. There's new buildings going up at the training ground now. And it's just... I think the important thing is footballers need to understand that that is just part of the world that their environment they're in, the business they're in. It's sort of always changing and there's not really a lot you can do some players are going to everyone's going to react differently some players like you know Giovanni Brown looks like nothing's ever phased him ever whereas other players you know you, you have your Archie Collins your Harry Kites you know your sort of younger academy players that then might struggle with change especially when they're used to the way of life at Exeter which is sort of not sacking your managers giving them a chance promoting academy players it's so different it's so hard to have a set of measures that are going to make everybody feel comfortable i think it's the the biggest measure is that we we encourage the players to spend time with each other off the pitch make they actually become friends be able to speak to each other off the pitch not just when you're at the training ground or whatever make each other feel comfortable outside of the football world and i think that's that's the strongest measure that the club sort of promotes within is sort of like look when you're here you know it's not not forcing to be friends but sort of saying like look try and do things outside of team bonding we've Matt was massive on that. They used to go surfing in pre-season. They used to spend a, a week away in, in Wales. And obviously your, your team bonding experiences are better in the top teams because you've got more money. But um, <laughs> it's just making the most of those opportunities and realising that you're with a great group of people, really great footballers and sort of galvanising each other. Because when you're down south in the West Country, you're, you're a long way from home for a lot of players. So it's about making yourself a family and a team. I think that's that's the biggest measure. Do those conversations then tend to be like, yeah, if I'm saying, oh, something big's happening at the club, are those conversations have with the whole team or on, yeah. on a one-to-one basis? No, there'll be, so I think there'll be like a senior leadership team within the players. So you've got your captain and then your more senior players. So off the top of my head, it'd probably be players like Matt Jay, captain, Jonathan Grounds. And then you'll have like your Jamal Blackmans, your really sort of experienced pros that sort of, being around especially at Chelsea you know the managerial merry-go-round is constant you know you're always changing so players that have been in different situations in their career will make sort of like a senior team within the squad I would imagine and then 
then they'll have they'll get told first and then they'll have a whole big team meeting sort of at the ground or at the training ground probably at the ground at the moment because of the, the renovations currently going on but yeah it's about sort of relaying to those senior members of the squad first and then breaking it to, to everybody the academy and and that, and that and it just filters through then I'm loving the parallels to how it all kind of lines up to, to the world that we know and work in compared to you know what people often think is an alien environment in, in professional sports, but it's not the parallels are there, right? Probably the, the exception for football is that they say if you're at Chelsea, you go to Dubai, but if you're at Exeter City, you go to Doubles. So Doubles or Dubai, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, that, that's it. It's the important thing is to remember that these, it's often hard to... To separate the fact that these are a lot of people's, even Exeter City, these are a lot of people's heroes. They're playing, and it's hard to separate your heroes from human beings. And that's where, that's why you have to appoint the right people onto your trust board and your club board. Because although a lot of the trustees are, are probably massive Exeter City fans, you have to separate them as human beings as well. Because as soon as you start idolizing these players when you're on the trust board, that's when it becomes difficult. You're starting to make attachments. You've got yeah. to stay away yeah. from that. Uh, it, it, you have to remember that it's a business at the end of the day and however much you love Giovanni Brown as a trustee you have to act within what's best for the business and not what's best for you that's where the it's hard to separate and that's where that business side of things comes in comes into play John it's been epic having you here I'm so grateful that you've been able to give us this insight into uh into a football club during a, a significant period of change it lines up beautifully to our our pod uh you've been great to talk to uh, no I can't expressed how jealous I am that you're heading off to the Etihad and I'm going to Hill Barton. <laughs> yeah, I'm at the Etihad in uh, about an hour and a half, so. Perfect. Yeah. Cool. Anything else, Pete? Yeah, it's just it's just very interesting thinking about a totally different environment from one that I've been used to working in. Um, but like you say, Chris, there's a lot of things which, um, which do match up and I shall take those away and think about them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> John, have a great day. Thank you so much cool. for your time. It's been so Thank good you very to much, chat. You.